What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You podcast. I am your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if you've been listening for a while, double check and make sure that you are subscribed so you get all the latest updates. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. You need to increase your immune system. How do you increase your immune system? You got to stay active. You got to stay healthy. You have to have some supplementation. You got to get some vitamins. So go over to Onnit, get yourself the total human vitamin pack, get yourself some vitamin D3 spray. I'm hearing in the news right now that vitamin D and zinc and an overall increased immune system can help you fight off this coronavirus. So go over to onnit.com slash O-C-Y and save up to 10% on your order. That's onnit.com slash O-C-Y. O-N-N-I-T dot com slash O-C-Y. My guest today is a awesome human being by the name of Felicia Connor. Felicia Connor is the host of a great podcast titled Here Podcast, H-E-R-E Podcast, all about helping people overcome trauma and difficulties in their life or abuse. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to her and wanted to talk to her now during this pandemic time is that unfortunately, at least in the U.S., that some of the data is not going in the right direction, especially as far as it comes to domestic violence. Some reports are already in that places like Chicago are up 14.6% in domestic violence. Dallas is up 20.1. LA is up 12.4. When you're going through that, sometimes all you need to hear is somebody else that has went through it and how they overcame it and some real tactical steps on how they did that. So we don't go too deep into the actual details of what happened to her, but she just had some trauma and had some sexual abuse happened to her in her early years and has done some phenomenal work on how to get over it. And she shares very transparently, very openly how she worked through that. And this time, unfortunately, those data points are going in the wrong direction. So my hope and our hope is that if you have ever gone through abuse or ever had trauma, that you listen to this and take away some of these key real life tactical steps on how to overcome those hardships that you've endured. So please welcome my guest today, Felicia Connor. Felicia Connor, welcome to the Overcoming You podcast. How are you doing in this very interesting times that we got going on? How's everything going for you in in the uh, Connor household? Hello, and thank you so very much for having me. We are um, we're adjusting. I was lucky enough, at least, that my husband and I had worked from home together before, um, so we're you know sharing time. He's in sales, so he's on a lot of calls. Um, but we're just going back and forth and sharing the space and the little ones adjusting really nice. We're just trying to focus on, you know, we can just, especially because we work sitting in the house on our computers, working all day long. And our little one, she's six yeah. is, you know, trying to figure it out as well. So forcing ourselves, like say at lunchtime to go take her around the block on her bike, you know, and, and different ways to engage with her. And, and, um, now the schools are launching some in Arizona, some, um, online learning. Okay. So we'll start implementing that next week. So, yeah, it's interesting. My wife and I don't have kids yet. I know I said this on another podcast, but you know, all my friends, their kids ages range from brand new few weeks old, all the way up to 12, 13, somewhere in that range. And all of them before this happened said some form of, you know, when you have a kid, when you're at work, all you want to do is just be home with them. And, and, you know, it's like hard to leave for work every day. And now I'm talking to them and they're like, I don't know how I deal with this every day. Like the kids and they look like a cartoon character with like bloodshot eyes and they're all disheveled and, and uh, beards grown and hair is a mess and stuff like that. So I think it's everyone that's just trying to, trying to figure, figure their way through it and, figure out some sort of normalcy, some sort of schedule. So it's uh, it's an interesting time. I don't think anyone has the answer, but I always like to just kind of know how everybody's doing. Yeah, my I think I posted uh, the other day um, a picture of the Lord of the Flies movie. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's headed that way. But right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So before we kind of get into the meat of the conversation, just one more question that I wanted to ask you in – you and I are, we have similar similar backgrounds. We've been through some similar really profound trauma and bouts of depression or anxiety. 
And I've been asking the folks that I know who maybe are prone to it or have been through it before, how's your just your current mental state during this pandemic and kind of in this whole life of uncertainty? Or has it really not been that big of an issue? Because like you said, you kind of already been working from home, so it's not that big of an interruption. But how's your personal mental state been during this? Wow, that's a really good question. Something I hadn't thought about, but I feel like I have, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, that I haven't experienced as much stress and anxiety. And I think it was be- it's because my work, my um, the the company I work for, have been so incredibly compassionate. So they are like, for example, we have, you know, uh, goals that different things that we're working towards every quarter. They're like, hey, we obviously want you to push towards it. But if you don't make it, it's okay. So it's been relaxing. I don't have to commute. I have my family there. But then when you log, but then it almost creates this kind of uh, fake bubble, like everything is fine in my bubble. And then we turn on the news or my husband, you know, he'll come in and he'll be like, okay, this is the current stats. And this is, and then it starts to feel, um, it starts to rise that anxiety. Um, so hopefully that made sense. So it's kind of a back and forth. Right. Yeah. For me, the first few days were, it was really, really good. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take advantage of this time. I'm going to do all the things that I normally have been able to have the time to do. It stuck to a schedule, stuck to a schedule. And then a couple days in, I was like, ah, you know, let me take advantage of this time. Let me relax a little bit. Let me, you know, crack open a beer at 12.01. And (laughs) then those days, those days were just kind of like effed off a little bit. Man, Mm -hmm. some like real negative thoughts started to come in. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to get a get a wrangle on this. And so now I'm back to the schedule. I'm feeling feeling good, trying to stay active, eating a little healthy. So I just wanted to ask, because I was just curious how everybody else was kind of dealing with it, at least from a mental standpoint. So thanks for sharing. I have had, this is, I mean, this is random and maybe nothing, but um, the last several days, I haven't been feeling very well. It started on Saturday, and I actually got Mm. tested for the coronavirus on Tuesday, but I've not heard back. So in that sense, um, I've also been real, like I haven't been really working. My manager knows and she's like rest, rest. So I've just been really resting and, um, yeah. And, you know, doing different things like, um, I did yesterday, like I I did an an interview, but that was like the first one in the whole week. And I've just been really taking time for myself and resting. And so I have had a lot of time with family. So Gotcha. What does that test consist of? Is it just they do you go to the hospital and they take blood or how do you do that test? Yeah. So would they um so in Arizona they have a hotline that you call. Um so I, I called my doctor first because I was feeling these different, you know, symptoms and they weren't getting better. It was totally random out of out of nowhere. And uh I had I had traveled to Canada at the beginning of March. And then I had gone into work for just three days, like um, the week of the ninth. And this one guy that I work with was telling me, oh, I just got back from Italy. Well, I don't know. I don't know. But then all of a sudden I started to feel sick last Saturday. And so I called my doctor and she was like, well, because of your travel and, you know, your other symptoms, I can't bring you into the office. I think you should call this hotline and see if they um, will approve you for a test. So I called them and then they'd screen you right there on the phone and then say, yes, I think you should be tested or no. So the lady said yes. And she books a time for the drive through. So you actually are driving through to get tested. And uh, so it was the next day and you, you go in and they have you fill out like this, this information with your insurance and stuff like that. And then you drive up and someone, and they are totally, you know, with a mask and everything, they do um, a nasal test, which is horrible, by the way. Like I did it, I mean, not horrible depending, but I I wasn't expecting it, I guess. I thought, I didn't realize how far they go in, you know, in the house, <laughs> but they go into both sinuses and then that's it. And then you drive away and they say you find, they'll call you within three to seven days. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And how many days, when did you do that again? I'm sorry. So Tuesday. So okay. this would be the third day. And I really woke up early, like, Oh, I hope they call today. Yeah. Um, but they, they haven't yet. So I, you know, maybe on the weekend. 
Yeah. One of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on. I really applaud you for your podcast. It's called, it's titled Here Podcast. And one of the things that I love about your podcast is that I cannot agree enough with the more times that you hear somebody's story or the more times you share your story with somebody, that story of trauma, whether it be, you know, child abuse or drug addiction or some of the things that you went through, that power has less hold over us. That's why I think therapy is so powerful or talking to somebody or having a community. So I really, really applaud you for stepping out there and one, being transparent with some of the things that you've been through, because I can only imagine that's not the easiest thing, but sometimes not the easiest things to do help the most people. So I really, really applaud you for that. And um, just so the listeners know, so they don't think I'm super insensitive, but I think just during this kind of time, I wanted to get to your thoughts and the different ways that you overcame your trauma. So I just want to kind of highlight some of them. And please correct me. And the reason why I say I want the listeners to know is that we did talk about this before the podcast. So I don't want anyone to think I'm insensitive. And I highly, highly recommend to get the full story. Go over to the Her Podcast. Listen to episodes, I think, zero and one or one and, one and two. There's some of the best ones there. But I think there's going to be a lot of since you have so many amazing ways of how you've overcame that and you really have come from, and I say this with love and kindness and only because I've been there too, you really have come from deep, profound depths of despair to overcome all those things to really have a life that's thriving. And I just love the, the love and the joy that comes through your, through your voice when you talk about your life now versus your life then. So just to kind of give the highlights. And like I said, it's not to be insensitive. It makes me feel weird just kind of glossing over it, but I want to get to the details of how you overcame. You had some trauma growing up as a young girl. There was some sexual abuse in the early years of your life. And then one of the major reasons why I kind of gravitate towards you and really see myself in you is that we both have had suicidal ideations, some suicidal attempts, um, we try to mask that hole of self-loathing and self-love through outside forces, alcohol, prescription, whatever have you. But you've done a lot of things to overcome all those. So like I said, not to gloss over it, not to not have it be the power, but would you say I kind of got the two-line cliff notes of kind of some of the major topics of the trauma? Oh, yeah. I okay. uh, That was perfect, and I don't feel glossed over at all. Okay. <laughs> Okay, cool. Sorry, I just normally, like people know on the podcast, like to get into the details, but I think since you have so many great ways that you've overcome, I think it's going to be really valuable to kind of focus on that. And I think, like I said, there's going to be a lot of transferable knowledge between some things that people may be going through now and Mm -hmm. go through after that. So I know you alluded to them a a little bit through your podcast, but I want to kind of see if you could open up to the listeners on some ways that you've overcome. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you first is how have you overcome the feeling of that you were a burden on everybody else in that? Because I know when I was there, and and maybe you can relate to that, when you're in that space, Mm -hmm. nobody can tell you different. You know, period, no equivocations about it, that you are a burden on everybody's life and their lives would be better without you here. As much as you Mm -hmm. can see that a white that a wall is white or that a t-shirt is black you know it to be certain but yeah. you overcame it and i overcame it. but how did you overcome that because i think that's real powerful to figure out so it takes a lot of work and i would probably say the main way is um rewiring the way your brain thinks because i can tell you honestly even to this day if i hit it's not like often but if i hit a low low that is the first thought that comes into my head me too is that they would be better yeah they would be better without me and it's just that it's i've spent so many years trying to rewire that that um i talked myself through it in my head whereas before when i was younger i was like yeah i need to i need to leave this earth because they would be better off without me now my brain is fighting because it's telling me that, but I know it's not true, but it's Mm -hmm. still hard. Um, And the main ways that I was able or that I have changed the way I see things is honestly Buddhist practices and not 
I mean, you don't have to become a Buddhist religion, um, but the practices of the way you are thinking and meditation is a part of that. But the way your mind is thinking about things was huge. That's why the majority of my tattoos are like Buddhist tattoos in some way, because it changed my life so incredibly. Um, and one of the easiest things. So, uh, well, it's not easy, but is I remember when I first started this, um, looking into Buddhism. And the reason I started it was because I saw Seven Years in Tibet. Yes, the Brad Pitt movie. Mm-hmm. And but what struck me with that is the 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 Buddha, the Tibetan Buddhists, they they got it. They were they were peaceful. They were loving. And I'm like, they know something that we don't know or I don't know. So I started studying specifically Tibetan Buddhism and which really just opened up to all the different things. But it's about recognizing the thoughts that come into your mind Mm -hmm. and not attaching to them, which is really hard. But all that means is not saying, "Okay, I'm feeling bad. Why? Because this and this and this and this, because then you're just feeding it and feeding it and then you're getting madder and, and more upset. So just acknowledging it. Letting yourself feel whatever it is you're feeling, whether it's anger or sadness, and just letting yourself, if you need to cry, whatever it is, and then moving through it. Yeah. And it's day, it's, it might be depending on where you're at, hour by hour, minute by minute. Um, but what happens is, and I had someone tell me that was really, really changed my life. Don't focus on the destination because what I was doing was, okay. I recognized that this thought and I, and I, and I worked through it, but then the next minute something totally crumbled me and brought me to my knees. And then I was like, ah, I'm just failing at this. I'm failing. And then I'm feeling worse. Mm -hmm. But if you just focus on the daily changing your mindset and rewiring your mind eventually, and this does happen. So I've been in a place where I literally thought it would never change and I would never be happy where all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't react how I usually react to this one small thing it might be. Yeah. So it's just that it's a lot it just thinking of just thinking about what what you're feeling and allowing yourself to feel it and then moving past it and then constantly do that. Then eventually you don't have to do that as much. Yeah. And it's and it starts to so for for example, like we were just talking, when I'm feeling and it still happens this day, like everyone would be better off without me. Mm-hmm. Immediately, without me even trying, the other side comes in and goes, You know that's not true. Yes. Just yeah. How long did that take? And what I mean mean is there's a point for both of us that this happened. I think for most people in this mental state is that you sit there and you figure out, okay, I have to figure out a way to change my thoughts. So from that day when you're like, okay, I got to figure out a way to kind of that realization of, oh, wait, I didn't react in that negative manner. How long do you think that took? Was it constant, consistent for months? Was it for years? Can you pinpoint that? And I just want to let the listeners know kind of your process or your path. And then I want to kind of let them know my path. Absolutely. I would say if you're consistently thinking about your thoughts or viewing your thoughts and trying to work through them, and sometimes you'll be able to, sometimes you won't. um, I would say maybe about, maybe I would say maybe six months to a year. That's like, I'm just guessing, but you'll notice it in small ways. Yes. I would say, yeah, you'll notice the small things that maybe you react to and the bigger ones take a little more time. Um, But small things you, you'll start noticing. I think, um, honestly, if you do this for a week, I think you would start noticing that you're recognizing your thoughts at least. Yes. That you're not immediately attaching. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm probably the exact same amount. I'm right around that probably three-month, six-month range. And what I've equated to, or the analogy that works for my my thick skull, is that each time I recognize a thought, and you recognize it in the moment, and so, you know, I'm I go, God, Josh, you're so fucking stupid, and I go, stop, and then I work, do my process to work through it, or adjust that, or change that thought process, each time you do that, it's like a little, it's like a little rep in the gym. It's like a little mental curl. Mm-hmm. And each time you do it, your brain gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. 
Now, that doesn't mean, so, you know, if you go into the gym right now, some days that you, you can go and you can curl or you can bench, you know, 100 pounds. And then some days you go in there and you're like, gosh, I'm feeling weak. I can't do much. But if you do it consistently yes. over time, then your mind gets so much stronger. And I think you and I had the exact same realization is it happens real slightly over that over that course of that time same thing with the body you don't go to the gym for one week and then all of a sudden you look like the rock or or jennifer <laughs> aniston you know it happens slowly over time and i think that's so crucial for people to hear from folks like yourself or me that it's just this daily process of figuring out how to recognize the thoughts and then how to change the thoughts so one thing i want to kind of ask some tactical processes from from you so first part is it seems like meditation probably helps you recognize your thoughts. So that's one of the ways that helps you recognize the thoughts. What's a thought that you have worked through? And then how, how did you repurpose that? Or how did you attack that? Can you give like a real world example of a thought that you've had that you've kind of overcome or how you dealt with it, like verbatim, step by step? Yeah, I guess I could say maybe more of a feeling, anger. Okay. Anger was something a lot that that I struggled with, and it was just a real short, hot temper about everything. Someone cut me off, or this, or that, and um, so. And I would also probably identify that as not being patient because I would start to get agitated. Real life example: so I'm driving, right, and someone cuts me off. Oh, that you know, sob, and you're freaking out, and you want to, you know, run and cut them off, and. I would realize it. And I always say like it was disturbing my stream. And I know like Buddhism and I only say Buddhism because it has like some real tactical things that you can sure. follow, no, but it could great. be, it could be really anything. But I, they'd come up, I would immediately feel that feeling and I would recognize that it was disturbing my stream. So if you think of your in, in, inner self as this calm stream, and when you throw in a rock, there's there's ripples, right? Or a boulder it might be huge, huge waves. Um, but I noticed that there was a, a there's a disturbance in how in my piece. And instead of saying why, oh, because that guy cut me off. And why does that make you mad? Because that's like attaching to it. Mm -hmm. I would just feel it, and I wouldn't. I I, I just wouldn't add any more to it. And then my mind would naturally go to, ah, it's really not that big of a deal yeah. on its own. Now, it wasn't always that easy because when I started, I might be like, oh, well, I'm mad because of this. And, yeah. and, and then just attached to it. So anger and that goes with everything. So I can um, say a, a more maybe um, intimate and valuable example would be my interaction with my little one, right? Mm -hmm. with my daughters. So if I'm in the past, because I have two older daughters, 17 and 15, and they're from a previous marriage. And unfortunately for them, I was not in the space I am now as, as being able to change my thoughts. And um, we have an amazing, loving relationship. But I know I was always stressed. Sure. That's what I remember is I was always so stressed and I don't even like thinking about it because it still causes me such, you know, regret. And um, but they fortunately are like, Mom, I don't remember any of that. So that makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, but my little one now. So I still will get stressed. But what was happening? So let's say in the morning, she I let her sleep in and maybe I'm running a little bit late and I'm getting and getting ready. And so then I'm like, OK, come on, um, we need to get ready for school. And I don't know how she's going to wake up and how she's going to want to get ready. Mm -hmm. So if she starts giving me any kind of a, oh, and I don't want to. Then I start getting angry. I'm like, let's go. We have to go now. Right. <laughs> and then I feel guilty. She's crying. I feel guilty because I've ruined the day. And then what? Where does that lead? I'm not a good mom. Yeah, she deserves a better mom. I stopped and I thought about it. Okay. It I have complete control over the situation. I don't have control over how she's going to wake up. But I do have control of myself waking up earlier to make room for however she's going to wake up. Yeah, and to give time for that. And so then when she and then I and then I would stop that whole, you're a horrible mom. No, I'm going to respond better next time. And then I would have days where I did and it was beautiful. And then there might be days where we, we argue. Um, but over time, constantly doing that, we have way better mornings now. Yeah. Make sure there's plenty of time. And 
So hopefully that. Yeah, no, it, it does. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm hearing, you do two really good things that, that I took away or that I wrote down. So I think once you have that thought or have that feeling of anger, it sounds like what you did is just take a fraction of a, of a breath or just take a deep breath or just notice it for a second. Because I think what happens is that, you know, in your example there, you know, this guy cuts you off and you go, you mother have, Oh my God, now I'm going to be later. Oh, I, you know, my, my brakes are going out now I got to get new brakes. And then you start to spiral. And then that leads into all of a sudden now you go, Oh, when Jeff at work, if he comes up to me, if he talks to me, talks to me about those TPS reports, I'm going to give him hell. And then it just spirals out. But yes. if that person cuts you off, if you just go, okay, that pissed me off. That guy's a jerk. Whew. Okay. Okay. And just let it happen and don't pile on and don't spiral out. You can mm -hmm. just have that feeling, let it subside or let it pass and then continue on with your day. And then the other thing that I love that you do that I'm trying to do a lot more right now is, is that when you have these negative thoughts, you have to attack them almost like a lawyer, like you're trying to disprove it or trying to, you're on yes. the opposite side. So, you know, you have, oh my God, you know, I didn't wake up the girls right or I didn't do whatever in the morning. And you stopped. Once again, you took a breath and then you figured out, okay, I didn't, I didn't do that right. How can I make it better next time? And you counteract that. And if you do that over and over and over, it goes back to that rep. You have these little tiny blips of feeling or anger, but then you actually fix it by attacking it and either disproving it or trying to make it better for the next time. So I love those tactics that you use. That's really, really cool. Yes, that is that is spot on. Sometimes I will even, if it's a really rough day, I will say out loud, I can change this. I can change how this is going. I can change how this is going over and over and over until I feel it. And my daughter will look at me like, what? But to myself, I'm saying, I can. I can change this. I can change this right now. And it helps to kind of diffuse a situation. And another thing, like you had mentioned this, um, and I think it's super important, is being gentle with yourself. Yes. Like when you were talking about and you said, stop, I liked how you said stop when you were talking about yourself and, and what you were thinking. It's a gentle stop because yes. often we get like, oh, you're failing, you're failing. You need to stop doing this. No, 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 no. Just a gentle refocus. It's okay. Stop listen, let's move forward. And that is because if it, it, on the other end, you're, you start to just get angry at yourself, which is going to start all of those negative yeah. internal thoughts. Yeah. And this isn't on this topic, but you said something real quick in passing. I think it's really powerful for all the parents to hear is that, you know, you have your girls 17 and 15, since you always try to do your best at age 17 and 15, those girls from what I'm hearing, don't know that there was maybe some bad times or trouble times. It's just like, overall, my, my life's been pretty good, mom. You've been, you've been doing pretty good. And I think it's really valuable for the parents to know is that you're not going to be a perfect parent, just like your parents weren't perfect. But as long as you're trying your best and you're treating your kids to the best of your ability, they're going to lo love you no matter what. They're not going to remember all those bad times, just like it sounds like your 17-year-old and 15-year-olds don't remember some of those negative times or bad times in the past. So I think it's real valuable for the parents out there to know, like, if you're doing your best, you're doing pretty damn good. I'm so glad you said that. And I never fully thought about that, but you're absolutely right. The things like, and I, oh, I love my children, never hit them, never, nothing like that. It was just, I always felt stressed. I was suffering from depression and I would yell a lot. I would lose my temper and yell. And to this day, if I think about it, I could cry because the amount of guilt I have. And I've, I've gone to them and I've apologized. And they looked at me like, I, like we have an amazing relationship. I don't, I don't re remember that. They don't remember it yeah. in the same way. And because I, I truly did love them and was always trying to do my best. And yeah. maybe because the guilt, see it so much worse for sure for sure you know the other thing i want to ask you and this is definitely outside of my spirit of knowledge but there's some heartbreaking statistics in at least in the the u.s when it comes to female sexual abuse especially children and i didn't realize that the numbers were so staggering 
And those numbers are only the reported ones. I'm sure you know a lot more about this than than I do, but would you say from your knowledge that there's a lot more sexual abuse not reported than there are than there is reported? So those numbers that I'm seeing are probably even exponentially bigger? No, I would say 100% yeah. because um, I never reported my story when I was young. And when I became older, and that was something I was interested in, I was told that I wouldn't be able to because of the statute of limitation. And the people I talk to um, uh, when I'm doing my podcast and just even outside of it, uh, the majority uh, the majority don't ever report it. And it's something that happens and it, they might, they don't report it because they, and they don't feel like they can, or maybe they're not taken seriously. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different reasons, but yeah. yes, absolutely. It's really surprising. Um, the amount of people when I started doing this, that reached out to me that had mm. stories that they hadn't told because I mean, they, and they never had, it, it was, it was so many. And when you start talking to people, they're like, Oh yeah, I have a story about that. Mm. Yeah. And just Scary. to give just to give the listeners so in 2018 just reported cases there was 185,437 cases of sexual abuse and mm-hmm. that's just to put that you go wow that's a lot of people that's 507 girls or women a day every single day in 2018 so that's a lot and then like you said what my intuition was is probably multiple times that because of the shame, the guilt, and mm. things that, you know, these gals go through. So I wanted to ask you a couple things. One, after that time in, before you set in motion to overcome that, what are some things that you were thinking to yourself? And the reason why I ask that is because there's going to be some young ladies, some girls, some women, maybe thinking those things that you were thinking. And then I want to kind of go into maybe one or two, how we how you overcame them. So what are some thoughts before you started to overcome and kind of work through it? What were some things that were going through your head? What what are some thoughts? That's that's a great question. So when I was younger, it was um, pretty direct. Uh, He had told me not to say anything or my parents would hate me. And his daughter told me she's going through the same thing and I can't say anything or I will destroy her family. So that was very, I can't say anything. I don't want to destroy this family. Mm. Um, so that was when I was young. And as I started to grow older, I, um, like in my teenage years and I started to want to say something, it was little things that, and I've talked to my mom about it, that she didn't even realize. So, but when she would say, Oh my gosh, if something like that happened to you, I would feel like a horrible mother. So then there was another thing. I guess now that I'm talking through, it was always me not wanting to hurt other people, even though I had been hurt and I needed somebody. And I know my mom would have wanted me to tell her. And, you know, but for me, I was like, I don't want my mom to feel like a terrible mother. And then when I was a little older, I had finally told the very first person, which was my, my, my poor teenage boyfriend at the time. (laughs) How is he supposed to know what to do? And I told him and he was like, well, it happened a long time ago. Get over it. So then I felt like, geez, why am I not over this? There's something wrong with me. It was so dismissive. I can't tell anybody. And so I just kept it with me for so long until it absolutely exploded. And, you know, I was doing self-harm and, and the depression and, and all of that. And um, and I had to, and I just, I had to tell. It's It was always me not wanting to hurt or disappoint other people. Yeah. And not realizing that, I, I guess I just needed someone to tell me, I guess, that it was, it was not my fault. It is okay. Tell me what happened. Mm -hmm. And me telling that was not going to destroy a ton of other people. And it's not, and it may, it may his. Yeah. And it should have for him. Right. Sure. But it wasn't enough for my mom. She, when I finally told her she did, she cried and she was sad and then she worked through it and it, and it was fine, you Mm -hmm. know? So I don't know if that was helpful, but that was, that's the honest truth of what. (laughs) No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because that is such a heavy weight inside of you, sometimes you feel, and I know I felt this way when I had suicidal ideations or thoughts, that it was so heavy that since it just weighs you down inside, that if you were to 
unleash that on somebody else, you would giving that heaviness or that, that burden to them too. So you almost mm-hmm. feel like you're doing something better for them or with them by not giving that to them, which I think you and I both know, and if anyone's listening, that is not not the case because if my wife was had anything of this magnitude or this this profound, I would do anything on the face of the planet to help her. I would stand yeah. in front of a train. I would stop a, a, a locomotive. I would, I would fly a plane. I would do anything. Same thing with my friends. If anything was going through, if they were going through anything and they reached out to me, it would be such a blessing and honor to help them through that. And I think people need to understand that if you are going through something, whoever is that person that you love the most or that is that you respect the most I guarantee you and you know who they truly are mm-hmm. I guarantee you they would be willing to help you regardless of what it is I promise you from the bottom of my heart and guarantee you that Felicia thinks that or feels the same way so however you can do it however you feel to do it write them a letter an email a text unleash that because it's going to immediately eliminate some of that power that it has over you. And I guarantee you that loved one, that person that you respect will help you. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. There is someone out there. And even if maybe you're in a situation where you don't feel that that's your immediate family, there's, there is someone out there that you can talk to and that you, you don't have to live with that Mm -hmm. all by yourself and on your own. I asked this question with love and kindness, just because in doing some research and then, little sense that you said in there did you ever feel like it was your fault and once again the reason why I asked that is because in doing some research I that's a common theme or thought process that came up with the gals which is completely and utterly in my opinion not absurd to think like that I get there's trauma in there but did you feel like it was your fault at all or did you not have that no um most definitely so as a child because you don't really understand what's going on I would I would attribute, though, um, so me and my stepfather didn't have the greatest relationship when I was little. And so I thought he must know. And that's why he doesn't like me. Mm. So there was always this like there was something wrong with me. Um, And then when you're older, there is that. And for people, when they're when they're hearing stories, just a tip, make sure you don't say this to somebody who has been through something, um, you know, that has been abused or whatever the case may be, is when they say, well, why didn't you tell someone? Why didn't you do this? Why did you let them? Why didn't you? It's just so hard to explain no matter what age you are, Mm -hmm. how these things happen. And that puts the blame on that person, even though majority of the time, I don't think people are intending to do that. Of course. Of course. That's actually one thing I wanted to ask you. So, so I have a, I have this huge burden. I have these suicidal ideations, Felicia, I, you're my confidant, you're my best friend. I'm going to go tell you these things. What are, what's some advice that you can give to that person hearing it on what to say or how to, how do you take that? Cause that's pretty, that's a difficult thing too. Like let's not downplay you know, what that other person is going through. But I think just like you said, some of the common misconceptions of what to say can help in that or not say help in that. So what would you, what advice would you give to the person hearing or receiving that? That's so great. Um, You're so great. Uh, So that is, and my husband and I, you know, had to work through that because actually my husband is the first person um, who I had felt safe with. Mm. And, and so we had to work through the different things and he had never, he, I feel very safe with him and, and we even had to work through some, some things, but the main things I would say is to never say anything along the lines of why aren't you over it? It happened a long time ago, get over it, Mm -hmm. just be positive because all those things I know that people are trying to like to help. Yeah. And to make it positive, but it's dismissive is how it feels. And it might not be for everybody, but I'm for me, I know for sure it yep. feels dismissive. So listening for sure. And sometimes you don't even need to try to fix anything just to listen. And even if you want to ask, how do you need me? Ooh, that's so great. that they can say, this is, this is what I need from you. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it is never yep. to say um, that make it in a dismissive way of like, why did you, Oh, that was the other thing. Sorry. That I was going to say is um, 
why didn't you do this or that or this? Or you could have just done this. Why did you have you have no idea? So anything, even if those thoughts are going through your head, well, I wonder why she didn't just walk over to the police station. Yeah. Um, keep it to yourself because there are reasons <laughs> way beyond yep. not being in that situation you could understand. So I think that's the main thing is listening and asking, um, how how do you need me? Yeah. I think that's so, so huge on how do you, how do you need me or what can I help with? And Mm -hmm. then, like you said, sometimes I know in relationships, at least for men, you know, I, anytime my wife's going through something, not of this depth, but anytime she's going through something, I just go, okay, what's the situation? What's the action we're going to do to get over it? And then what's the result we want out of it? You know? And Mm -hmm. so I just want to fix everything, fix everything. And sometimes (laughs) I can tell that she just wants to vent. And she just wants to say, hey, dum-dum, just sit there and just let me vent for a little bit. And then, you know, we'll cheer some champagne or we'll watch some Netflix and then it'll be be over with. So sometimes you, especially I'm just speaking from a man's perspective, you don't always have to fix the situation. Sometimes just sitting there on the couch. And that sometimes is enough, too. I know that there's a couple of times during my depression, you know, my wife would just sit next to me on the couch and that was that was enough. She didn't say anything. We didn't say anything, but I felt better just because of the proximity or the closeness or the companionship sitting there. So you don't always have to fix it. And then I think what you said there, just be there to listen and help and, you know, definitely not, not accuse. So I think those are some great, great tactical things to take away. So that's really, really cool. That's really great that you say that about just sitting because I don't know if this is the same for you, but there's a lot wrapped up into feeling not only do you feel sad and you're maybe saying negative thoughts to yourself and you feel depressed and, and it escalates, but there's also this mixture of, I'm so sick of feeling this way. Why do I still feel this way? And you don't want to feel like you're constantly complaining and sad and and you don't want to feel that way. So then that makes you feel weak, which makes you feel angry. So yeah, some, sometimes just, just listening and be able to say it because you're feeling all of those. I'm feeling all of those things while I'm saying this, here I go again, Yep. here I go again with this and, and I'm upset with it, but I have to, because it's what I'm feeling and just having him be able to listen yeah. and then give me a hug yep. and he doesn't even have to fix it. And then we watch something on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that, uh, that tiger King show or whatever that everyone oh, yeah. seems to watch be watching. <laughs> yeah. We're watching that too. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that I did want to ask you, so the one thing that I'm happy just from, from me to you, from Josh to Felicia, one thing that I'm really happy for you is that it really sounds and feels like you have a really good partnership with your husband now. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you, speaking to people that have gone through trauma or some form, whether it be the things that we talked about, anything that has to do with suicide or depression or any sort of abuse, is just letting everybody know that you can still have a good marriage or a good relationship. It, they don't all have to be bad because I'm sure, without going too much into it, I'm sure there was maybe some rocky relationships that you had because of this, this trauma leading up to it. Talking to those men or women, you know, with dealing with abuse or dealing with some sort of, of, depression, anxiety, and it's kind of taken a toll on their relationships. What are some things, um, maybe just one or two or three things that you've done to have such a cool, loving relationship now, considering everything that you kind of went through? What are some things that you've done to overcome and have that good relationship today? Yes. Um, First, uh, I have to know that I'm worthy of that relationship. Hmm. Every relationship I was in, um, it, it, it wasn't ideal because I didn't think I deserved it. I thought, oh, this person is interested in me. I need to try to make this work because I didn't value myself at all. Yeah. And, um, and so I was trying to make things fit that didn't just because, okay, well, what if this is the best that it is? Maybe there's something wrong with me. And then finally, I got to a point through everything that we had talked about earlier to where I was honestly happier on my own. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I was meditating. I was peaceful. I was taking care of myself and my children. I was in a very good place. So then when relationships started to present themselves that were disturbing that, I was like, no, no, I don't need someone else to make me happy. So I, I wouldn't even pursue those relationships. So that was one knowing that I was worthy of that love and that type of relationship. Yeah. And then actually being in the relationship, I mean, this may sound cliche, but communication, I, I have to, and the whole rewiring your brain, right? Yeah. So if he responds in a way and I immediately am like, oh, why is he, you know, I get into that space, I have to stop. And I have to think, okay, like, why is he in that space from a loving place, not from an angry place? Yeah. And then I'm constantly encouraging him to communicate with me. And so it, you know, it, it took some time of, of understanding that and me understanding him too. And, and, you know, what he needs. And now we, we will I'll be like, please, I need this from you. Or he'll be like, look, this is what I need. Yeah. So that's huge. Cause it's not like, Oh, I found the right man and everything is perfect. You know, we have to work on it and we have to make sure we are both understanding um, where each other is coming from. And I have to be open to it. So if he's telling me this is where I'm coming from and I'm like, well, no, that's wrong. That's not going to (laughs) work. I I have to be like, okay, okay. Yeah. (laughs) This is where I'm coming from. Yeah, totally. Uh, You said something there that I want to reiterate to the listeners is that, you know, you had to feel worthy of that love. And there's a lot in that sentence. And we talked a lot throughout this episode, but one of the things that I'm convinced on is that you will always be a second class citizen, a second class business person and a second class significant other. If you're not a first class, you meaning you have to take care of yourself first. You have to, it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds selfish, but it's not because if you don't take the time to do whatever fills you up and makes you better, whether it be meditation, working out, eating healthy, whatever it is that makes you the best you, you're not going to be the best significant other. And so giving yourself that grace. And if you're not giving it to Felicia and I are giving it to you, we give you the grace and the latitude to work on yourself first and then start working on on the relationships because you got to have that foundation of that self-worth and that self-image and that self-love first before anything happens outside of that. So, so Felicia, I know we're kind of running up on time, but before we get to, I just have a question or two left before we get to that, where can everybody find you and what do you got going on and where can they find your podcast, social media and all that jazz? Awesome. So I have a podcast here, podcast, H E R E. Um, and you can find that on anywhere you like to listen to your podcast, Spotify, um, iPodcast, all of those different spots. And it's H E R E podcast and also on Instagram here podcast. So it's at here podcast. Um, and I also have a website where, um, I post the blog and the episodes and that's herepodcast.com. So those awesome. are the places that I mean, yeah. Where can somebody, can someone send you an email if someone's listening to this and maybe they're not ready to talk to them, but they want to just talk to you versus maybe somebody else. Cause they maybe connect with you where, how can they do that? Absolutely. However they want to. So okay. if they wanted to email me, they could do Felicia at herepodcast.com. Um, and if they're on any of the you know Instagram or Facebook, they can absolutely DM me as well on okay. there. So cool. Um, and like I said, I, I really think people like you and others that, that are willing to listen to people because a lot of times, just like you said, they don't feel comfortable reaching out to their partner or their mom or dad or their best friend or something, but sometimes a total stranger that they can connect with or have a similar story to or in the same realm can be so helpful. So thank you for doing that. It's really, really cool. Absolutely. And I want to just say thank you for what you do too. I absolutely love your podcast and connected with it so much. And that's one thing, and you had mentioned it um, along, there's things I could say, like, for example, the name here was, that's something I do when I have anxiety right here and right now, I'm okay. Right here and right now, I'm okay. So that was the power behind the word. But one thing that got me to want to do all of those things, like um, change my thoughts and all of this, were other people's stories. Mm. That is what honestly helped me move forward. I read the book Girl Interrupted and realized, wow, I'm not alone. 
there's somebody else who feels the way I do. I'm not just crazy. And there was someone I talked to who told me who was suffering because her mom had committed suicide and she wished she knew why she wasn't enough for her mom to want to be alive. Mm -hmm. That always stayed with me with my children and I didn't want them to make them feel that way. So other people's stories has helped me so much. So what you're doing as well is incredibly powerful and anybody who, um, uh, feels they're in a place where they could talk to anyone, someone, um, about and share their experiences and how they heal. It's so powerful. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one last question before we, uh, before I let you go, how do you Felicia build your self-worth? That is a really good one. So I still, I still struggle to this day with like body image and, and feeling good enough in that way. And so probably it goes along with, um, uh, rewiring my brain. So the way I think, um, doing things for me. So for example, I just started every morning. Um, I, even before I get out of bed, I will immediately think of things that, um, that I'm grateful for. So I know that people before when people say, Oh, say what you're grateful for. I was like, okay, all right, I'll write what I'm grateful. But no, it really, it helped because I tend to, when I wake up in the morning and I'd be like, Oh, I don't want to go to work or whatever the case may be. So I think of those. And then I do like at least 10 minute meditation, if not 20 minutes of meditation and quieting my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that helps. And then journaling. So all of that negative stuff that I'm thinking, just putting it out there um, in a journal. So it helps me to get through that. And then when I'm feeling something negative about myself, um, saying stop, (laughs) you know that's not true right and working through it that way so those are are really the things that I do and I do it daily to build that self-worth and um doing things that I'm passionate about so I never felt like uh who am I to do something like a podcast who am I to do that who's going to want to listen to me (laughs) and then just pushing through it and just doing it that has been incredible following what I'm passionate about and just doing it Yes. despite whatever inner talk is telling yes. me. Yeah. Preach. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Felicia, I really appreciate the time. Like I said, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that there's somebody out there. It takes so much strength to be so transparent and so open and you are a true overcomer to say the least. And I have always wanted to say this to somebody, but bye Felicia. <laughs> <laughs> I should have expected that. Bye. Thank you so much. You got it. All right, people. Remember, be kind to yourself. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Felicia Connor. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating. Let us know how the episode did. Please stay tuned to the rest of this week and the upcoming weeks because we have some amazing guests in store for you coming up. Once again, thank you for all of our sponsors at Onnit. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And remember, be kind to yourself.